welcome back, everybody. It's time for another episode of Leader Generation, brought to you by Tenlo Radio, a show where we help B2B and CPG marketers generate data that turns into money. Starting with a woman who makes tons of money. Oh, just tons of money here. Tessa Burke. Yes, that's right. Thank you, Paul. (laughs) So today we have another person who's making a lot of money building relationships online. And this episode is important, especially now as we think about building relationships in B2B marketing without trade shows and without being able to physically connect with our clients. So my guest is Brittany Mady. She is coming to us. Well, she recently moved to Cleveland from Atlanta and now is coming to us from her home in Cleveland. Brittany, thanks for being our guest today. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to start off by, you know, before we met, I was taking a look at your social presence. Because if I'm going to have a social media marketer on the show, wanted to see like, you know, what what does that look like? You have 73,000. 900 followers on Instagram. And I know you said just two to three years ago, you had 300. Tell us, how did you do that? How did you build such a huge following? Well, one of my passions since I was younger was acting, but I was always in my adult life in the corporate America world is in marketing. So my acting agent and manager looked at my online presence and I had everything private because I didn't want my clients to see, you know, see that acting side, the entertainment side of me. But they told me if I want to take entertainment seriously, acting seriously, that I need to jump on the social media bandwagon and up my following. At that time, a lot of indie filmmakers, even certain networks will Google you and look at your presence to see what audience you already have to bring to the table. And that's a big deciding factor sometimes when deciding on two talents. So there could be one person that is equally talented that has 300-ish followers like I had or someone else who has over 70,000. Who are they going to hire? So I decided to utilize my marketing experience and education and apply that to myself. Initially, I was referred and hired someone to help me maintain it because I, I had nothing So I had to create my own content, pictures, videos. And then I had someone in there finding followers for me. Now this isn't completely allowed, but a big part of it was like they took a list of other up-and-coming African-American actresses with like 10, 20-ish thousand. I'm not talking like Angela Bassett or Halle Berry, someone a little bit like myself. And I gave them a list. And so the company had their, their team and they logged were into my Instagram account. And would go in and like from my account those other people's followers and post, assuming that, hey, if they like this person that's up and coming, why not like Brittany? So my responsibility was just to keep them coming, keep content. Back then I did videos, photo shoots. A big thing I learned is that people go to social media to see pretty pictures, to be motivated, inspired, and to learn something. So that's what I just encompassed with my post and it just got crazy and overwhelming. It's like a full-time job. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, that is huge. So you spend all this time and energy and really digging into what motivates your audience and what keeps them coming back. How did you translate the benefits that you were experiencing as an individual to helping to create motivating, engaging content for businesses? Well, at that time, I worked in property management. So what I learned, even though it was just myself, is people like personality. 
So I noticed some of my other friends who were trying to start my peers in acting weren't getting the same results is because they weren't really posting things that had themselves with the personality behind it. So I would do like silly videos or like maybe I'm eating something really good and I'm in my stories like, oh my gosh, you guys have to try this. And one of my peers, her name was Tabitha Brown. We were in the same kind of theater group together. And she posted a video about a sandwich from Whole Foods that was vegan and got a deal with Whole Foods. The video went viral. And it was just simply her in her car like, guys, this sandwich is so good. And just that personality behind it. So what I took into my buildings is I gave my buildings, the businesses, some personality. So we would do videos, tours, and although it was a group of us, it was still that personality behind the brand. So people want to be entertained, whether it's in entertainment or in business. So that's how I take the personality at it. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that's, you know, something that feels like it's missing right now for a lot of us is that you know, that human connection and the personality behind the brands. Right. So if we're thinking about, okay, I want to start putting my company, putting my brand out there, showing more of what makes us work and unique, how do they get started? Well, I always recommend interns. So how I, I wasn't really privy to what's happening. So my little brother is who I kind of go for, like, what's trending? What's out? And I would say that with businesses as well, if there are people in this business that have the absolute do not know where to start with social media is hire someone that's freshly out of school or a new marketer. It's not always the person that has 30, 40 years of experience because things change. So you want to diversify that and have those different elements and see what's trending and stay on top of the trends. And in regards to finding the personality, having a meeting, just like, what do we want? Look at your core values, really. Look at your mission statement and really look at it and see how to put a personality behind it. A brand I can think of, it's not necessarily B2B, but Wendy's does a great job at this. They're always trending on Twitter and social media. They're always up with the times. They're making political statements. They took a personality and whomever runs their social media and they're in the forefront. I mean, I don't even progressively eat that. But when I'm thinking of fast food, Wendy sticks out because I always see them. And they're. And I'm saying they're like it's a human, but that's how they make me feel about their brand because they, they add some personality to it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that's important because people do business with people. You're right that it keeps it top of mind and it keeps it more personal, even though it's on social. So you mentioned that it's a full-time job and you have to stay up on the trends. What are some ways that you've done that to make sure that the trends that you're following are what people actually care about or want to see from you or from the companies you work for? So personally, um, I can give an example. I didn't do this. I was a little late to it. But the Met Gala, like we all know, the Met Gala is something that comes up every year. And some of my as they call it, content creator, influencer friends had content pre-created prior to the Met Gala. They knew that event was coming up. So having that social media calendar, like what's coming up, whether it's National Donut Day or Ice Cream Day or big events, the Oscars, everything is accessible via Google and you can pre-plan that out even quarterly. Another thing is like if a news break happens, so whatever your business pertains to, like for instance, something for me personally is like the Hollywood Reporter or different news outlets, see what pops up that day. Like, oh my gosh, let me make some content related to this. Let me incorporate some hashtags created to this. So when people are seeing this big news break, my personal brand pops up close to that and I was already on it and not a day late. 
Wow. So that does sound like a lot, but I think it's manageable. So you really have to find like what events or even milestones your audience is following and then sort of back out what content is going to be relevant on that day and maybe leading up to it. And recycled content. You could have done something two or three years ago, or maybe you had a video where you can break it down and like, oh my gosh, that's relevant now. Because as you're growing, new followers come. They're not going to see something necessarily that happened six months ago, or even if they did, they may have forgotten. So when you're doing content, videos, pictures, always think forward too. Okay. That's interesting. So I'm wondering, you know, you have a ton of followers to build up that audience or keep them engaged. Do you ever interact with them one-on-one or how, how do you create sort of a, an open communication channel or start building sort of those deeper personal relationships with your audience? I have to do better at that. But with my posts, I try to respond to everything that's relevant in my comments. Because with the algorithm specifically on Instagram and Facebook, they reward you for actually being social on their social media platform. So if people are sending you messages or commenting and you're not replying, that's going to put you down a little bit lower when people are scrolling through or in the discovery or explore pages. They reward you for being social. Something you can do, especially for businesses, they have canned responses. So something I get a lot in my Instagram messages is, how do I become an actress? Or how do I get paid partnership with brands? So I have something that's already formulated. So I'm not taking a lot of time and typing that out to send and respond. But I try to respond to as many relevant questions as I can. That's a great idea. That happens a lot. I see that. You get some of the same questions. So for your person representing your own personal brand, What do you recommend for companies? Like, should it be coming from the company's brand or a specific person within a company? Well, you want to keep... I personally recommend you want to keep it brand focused because people do not stay with companies forever. So you want to have the brand and you want to hire someone who really encompasses the brand, but they're speaking for the brand. Now, in regards to content related, they're going to have to be people in it. So you can even... I know we hired actors when I worked in property management when we were doing our new construct buildings to introduce them to businesses and hospitals so they would place their people in our long-term housing um, apartments. So we would hire actors to come in and kind of make it like this is the best place to stay. So if people do not feel comfortable in the company to be on camera or demonstrate products or whatever that may be, hire actors, hire local actors and have them do the content for you. That's awesome. So I had a question and I just lost it. You just said something really interesting. Paul started wiggling his fingers, signaling that we had... Oh, it's my fault. I see. It's my (laughs) fault here. I'm going to blame you, Paul. I'm going to blame you. I was like, oh, that was it. But could we take our break now to see if my thought comes back to Let's me? do that. Let's take the break. I'm sorry I disrupted your thought. I was trying to give you a quiet hand signal. Instead, I just totally disrupted the flow of the conversation here. That's <laughs> fine. All right. Well, we'll hang on. We'll be right back right after this. And all we wanted to tell you is that in the past year, marketing and sales have changed dramatically. So where does your business go from here? Well, there's one idea that we're going to throw out here. Why don't you sign up for a one-hour digital readiness session with Tenlo. They'll talk about how you can meet your business goals using digital marketing. Yeah, this new stuff we're all trying to figure out. 
Plus, you receive a digital readiness playbook. That's worth the effort right there. It's a step-by-step guide to execute digital marketing tactics that drive growth and deliver sales, something you didn't think digital could do. If you want to learn more about all of this, it's pretty simple. You simply go to tenlo.com, just like it sounds, T-E-N-L-O.com, and you can sign up. So check it out. The new Digital Readiness Sessions. Get your copy of their Digital Readiness Playbook and be ready for wherever digital goes in this new crazy era. Okay, surely the surely now we've given you plenty of time to come back and uh, think about the question. If not, I have one for your guest here. Yes. So, Paul, I'll let you go first because oh. I wrote it down. So okay. Well, what is your question? you know, the, the whole title of this show is The Power of B2B social media in a remote world. Is it really powerful or is it just a poor substitute? Because that's what I hear over and over again. It doesn't social media. Yeah, you can connect with more people and everything, but it's not the same. And I wonder, I I think it's a different kind of connection. I wonder what your guest thinks about that. Well, the power is in your tracking and your lead generation. I'm an advocate for if you're doing something and you're not getting results and you're not getting leads, then you need to change it and switch it up. Um, my experience with working in property management, the way I knew what we were doing worked is because we saw the results. We were filling up our apartment buildings. We were reaching out there. We were on the top of the list of referrals. And that wasn't just to consumers. That was who we did business with and partnerships with for our corporate housing and with the hospitals and the local schools. So personally, for me, I track my growth and writing this by the partnerships that I get. Now, I really only pay to post. And so I've done that and I'm getting paid more and these brands are coming back. So that's why I see that it's working. And also, a lot of the brands will do commission. So through your link, if people purchase through your link, that's how they know that their leads are working with working with you. So if I'm working with a brand and no one's buying anything, because that does happen a lot of there's people that buy followers or don't have really active, engaged followers. Or as a woman, a lot of the brands only work with me if I have 50% or more of women followers, if I'm advertising women products. So they keep hiring me. So I believe what I'm doing is currently working, but I totally understand what you say, that people are just trying to get followers. Companies are buying them and it's not working if you have 100,000 followers and three people are commenting on your post. So let me just expand upon that and then I'll then I'll I'll drop out again here. I think you I think you nailed it. In an old world of marketing, in broadcasting for example, I'm in radio, it was all about how many not who and what they did with it or how they engaged they were with it. And I think that's true across the marketing world, but particularly with social media. If you go into it with the old perception that it's just about how many, how many followers, so I'll just buy them, how many clicks I get, how many uh, people sign up for my webinar or something, and don't really pay attention to what you're doing. If it's all about just call me, call me, call me, then social media doesn't work. No, because social media is about creating a connection and starting a conversation. And if you're not really ready to carry on a conversation, if you're not interested in a true connection, you just want to lead that you can pester, then no, social media is not going to work for you. And with Instagram and Facebook's algorithm, as I've met at the offices, they do. They know. They could see that. They have a team of people who look and see what people are doing. So if you are doing that and abusing it and not being social, your posts aren't going to show up. So if you want people to engage, they're not because they're not even going to see it. So what do you think, Tessa? Are we ready to have conversations? Or marketing is not supposed to be that. It's just supposed to be getting me in front of somebody so they'll contact me or give me a lead that I can follow up. Uh, they'll send in that coupon and then I'll pester them. 
Yeah. And I, I think that marketers, especially digital marketers are held to really high goals and high standards of how well we're doing and generating leads, especially for our sales teams. So I think it's easy to lose track that what's most important is that you're making these connections and in having strong empathy for what motivates and engages is what leads to higher conversion. It's interesting because we use social, but I, hearing this conversation with Brittany and having talked to her before, even made myself and our team step back and say, you know, how do we make these connections deeper? Because Paul, like right now, I feel like we have to do it because of the pandemic. Right, exactly. Remote world. And would we have otherwise? Maybe not. Maybe we wouldn't be giving it as much attention as we are now. But I think we have to pivot and think how we do it and why we're doing it. For example, I'll give you maybe this is a strange analogy. I hate going to networking events. Now, I know everybody's supposed to go to a networking event, and that's how you meet people and build your network, but they're never about really meeting people. They're just some guy running around passing out his business cards. Hey, how are you? What do you do? Here's my business card. Yeah, great. Call me. Call me. Call me. They don't really want to get to know me. They just want to get in front of me and pass out as many cards as quickly as possible. And when I start to talk to them, they're already looking over my shoulder like, yeah, that's really interesting. Hey, there's one over there I need to go get. Yeah. It's not about connecting and it's not about conversing. If you're not willing to, if you're not really interested in connecting, which means back and forth, not just me telling you. And if you're not really interested in conversing, which is, again, answering questions and finding what you can do for them, then no, social media is not about just how many followers you rack up and then they're going to instantly sign up and for your service. Well put. Okay. So I have my question, Brittany. When we're looking at social media strategies, you said, you know, it's important to keep it behind a brand because people can switch over. And I totally think that makes sense. But do the social media platforms value what brands put out, like the content they put out differently than what people put out? There has been a new terms update because specifically with Instagram and Facebook that they want you to pay for their sponsored posts. So I don't know if you're ever scrolling through and you see something underneath and it says sponsor. That means that they paid to get that post out there to be visible. For brands, they're kind of taking that advantage. So they may not within their algorithm have them show up more just someone who's showing people how they love making their Sunday dinners as a person, as opposed to a big brand that has the money because it's all about two at the end of the day, making money. Mm -hmm. So I would say you want to have a budget to get those sponsorships, which can in fact also present you to new audiences. But in in turn, you're also being rewarded for actually utilizing that service. So when I did work in property management, we did have a budget, a social media budget, where we did do the sponsored ads as well, not just the organic ads like I do as a person for my personal brand that I can reach more. Yeah. That is interesting. And is that true across all of the social platforms that you need to sort of, as a business, have that mix of organic and paid to get like a real lift and real visibility on your content? I think initially, once you garner, once you create that audience, you may not need as much. But with our new buildings, we definitely, definitely have the organic and the paid mix. And I'm not saying really like we would, our average is probably $100 that we would use on an ad. And that was with Facebook and Instagram specifically. Now, YouTube, we did our videos. We would put the link in with the sponsored post. Like, for instance, with YouTube, we would put that in our Facebook carousel or post or with a click ad on Instagram or even in the link. Uh, there's a bio link in Instagram. But 
it definitely helps because you're, you're fine. If you don't have an audience, you have to find them somewhere. And Instagram would prefer you hiring them or Facebook as opposed to like when I started, I hired a company. So they're getting smart with that. Like, okay, people are hiring third parties to help grow. Along the same lines as, you know, business posting, business contact. One thing I get hung up on is the hashtag. I don't understand the role of it. I originally thought it was just a funny little joke that you put down. What is there a purpose? Do I need to be more intentional about it? How should how should companies think about hashtags? Well, I believe a company should have their own personalized hashtag. So when you do build up that brand, people will see that and post it and all of your content will be together for discovery. So hashtag is really about discovery. So if you ever went to a wedding and they're like, okay, this is our hashtag. And so you're at the wedding, you're posting your pictures. When you click on the hashtag, all the wedding pictures pop up through that hashtag. So that's the personalized hashtag. Now, if you're a company selling some type of equipment for other company or plane parts, you don't want to hashtag plane parts, plane equipment every single time because there's something else that's called ghosting. And so then you will not show up in the discovery. So the hashtags, you want them to be specific to the posts that you're posting. And I have some recommendations. There are some hashtag apps. So if you're posting the picture, you can upload the picture, describe what it's about, and it'll generate as a hashtag generator. Um, so one of them is called Tagstagram, it's like Instagram, but it's called Tagstagram. Okay. Another one is called Hashtag Expert. And then there's a website that pops up and you just do a general Google search. So if you're posting something about planes, you can have top plane hashtags. And you can look at that and see what works for you. Another trick that I do, but it changes a lot with Instagram, but it works now to not get ghosted. As I said, I was an actress. So I will use acting actress hashtags a lot. So I'll put my hashtags in the first comment of my post. This is specific to Instagram. And you're, I think now you're allowed up to only 30 hashtags per post. And after three to five business days, after I feel like I've garnered new followers, people have clicked on it, I'll delete that comment. So my next post, if I want to use some of those hashtags, I can reuse them without being ghosted. Well, we're learning a new word today. Or I guess I've always thought of ghosted as when like someone just you know, stops talking to me without that's they call it. Oh my gosh, my hashtags have been ghosted. So if you're posting a lot about hair products and you click and you're not there anymore, they they feel like you're abusing the hashtag, I guess. So it's really important to pay attention to it, especially if you're trying to be discovered in a specific space. And after you've reached that pivotal point, you don't really need need it that much, but it's always room to continue growing. You always want to garner a new new lead. So I don't use hashtags as much now, but they're they're definitely helpful for both both Facebook and Instagram, even YouTube. YouTube is very important too. Okay, I've never actually even thought of hashtags on YouTube. Yeah, so if you're searching, say you're wanting to look up a cooking recipe, or I'm trying to think of business examples. When you type that in, YouTube posts pop up based on that too. Can I jump in again? You, you, you forced me to come out of the shadows again here and ask another question here. What's the difference between a hashtag and what's the other one they call? A handle? Like an at? No, they say, yeah, at Tenlo or something here. I mean, the hashtag is what? It's what you put into the body of the post? Yeah, so the hashtag is for discovery. The at is your page. So if I put at Brittany Matey, that's how you locate my direct page. Mm across the platforms. But a hash, hashtag bring you mates, if you click on that, that'll bring up other people that have posted about me 
other pictures. So that's more of a discovery. So if you're looking for a recipe for donuts and you search hashtag donuts, whoever used the donuts recipe hashtag, you're going to see those pop up. I see. Okay. So when you're posting this, you're going to put that little crosshatch, that little look like the tic-tac-toe kind of thing. And then you're going to put your hashtag in. And if you get enough people to do it, then you'll trend or you'll show up or yeah, whatever. So on Twitter, you'll see what's trending. That's the hashtag trend for Twitter. Yes. Okay. Because a lot of people put the at symbol, they put at 10 low or something here. And then and I'm like, they put that in there as well. So I'm doing this at 10 low. And I'm wondering, is that as effective as putting the little hashtag? Hashtag is actually searchable, right? Right. The at 10 low is you can click on it and get to the page. But for instance, tonight, or something that's popular right now is quarantine 15. Everyone's talking about they've gained the quarantine 15. Like, <laughs> okay. So hashtag quarantine 15, people will post like workout things or like food. And that, that was something that was trending. So if you're up on that, you know, it's trending. You want to make a post, whether your business or anything like quarantine 15 or to stay on trend like that. So should I put both of them in my, all my posts, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter? Also, should I put that at, you know, uh, at 10 low and then put the hashtag of the topics I want to be found under? You don't have to put at 10 low. So at 10 low, like if I'm, if I made a post about this podcast, I would right. like, I had a great time with at 10 low. So Wait, she said, if she said, if she makes well, a post I mean, of when, <laughs> not if, when, <laughs> right. When definitely promote so when i make the post i'll put like had an awesome time with at tinlo we talked about hashtag b2b like in that sense so people can find tinlo and they could also find what we talked about i'm an old guy i don't understand all this i think i've been doing it wrong oh yeah no i've i've learned a lot this is like my third conversation with Brittany, and i'm like we need to just keep talking no, I keep popping. I'm like, oh, I, never, I didn't tell her that either. It's so much. Honestly, it is so much. That's why I had my little brother, like, help me because I had no idea either. And he talks so fast. I'm like, okay, what? What do I do? But <laughs> so, so she really should put both in there. I had a, I had a good time at Tenlo. And then that would, and on that social media, if I clicked on that, that would take me to the Tenlo page. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So my followers, they can click on at Tenlo. You can also tag them in the video or picture then the hashtags are more discovery upon which we talked about, like hashtag podcast, hashtag the show, talk radio, coronavirus marketing, marketing and coronavirus. You can use a hashtag expert to get the right ones to post. You're going to have to do this again, Tessa, because a lot of people are scratching their heads. I think I got it now. I think she explained it better than we've had lots of people try and tackle this because everybody always wants to put the little at symbol in and then the crosshatch symbol. And when do you use one or the other here? And should you make them the same? Should Well, no, because no, the crosshatch is the conversations. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's been helpful. So I... Paul, do I have time for one more question? You do, because I took over and asked mine. So you get you get a freebie oh, no, here. All right. Well, the other other thing other than hashtags that's been a mystery is TikTok. So I'm now getting targeted with all these ads saying that businesses should stop making commercials and start making TikToks. Mm. What wow. what is TikTok good for? Why is that a benefit to businesses? If you're if your target market too, I believe would be People between the ages of 15 to maybe 35. That's where everyone is at right now. TikTok. I don't know if you've seen kids in the store doing all these crazy little. Yeah. That's TikTok. My grandson. Yes. Right. He's crazy about TikTok. And I don't even know what the heck it is. It seems like just short videos. It's like very short. It's what uh, Periscope tried to be once way back when. Little short, little snippet videos. Right. Oh, yeah. The upcoming generations have very short attention spans. 
So TikTok is for that quick videos. I think we were discussing previously about the trade shows, like how you can do like quick little, that would be a great idea if you're, since we're missing out on the trade shows because of coronavirus, TikTok would be a great thing to maybe do some demonstrations really quick. And as you're using TikTok, and I'm still learning about it, it's a lot. So I'm not even, I haven't reached my large following on TikTok. You're doing those as the kids are doing the dances, the youth, even adults now. I saw my grandma on TikTok. I'm like, wow, really? Because they just laugh (laughs) the videos. So it's really for entertainment. And I've also seen some that's educational with a little laugh factor in it. So that would be awesome for businesses to jump on that now. It's like the new Instagram. But it's got to be entertaining. It can't be. Here's my it's not like um, a listicle where you say, here's the three tips to a better seminar. Here's a bit three tips to that. It's mm-hmm. not. No, I've seen co- like cooking tutorials that weren't funny, but the ones that do very well and trend some kind of like comedic element to it. People are, are bored right now and they're at home scrolling through these apps. So you want to have a little I would recommend a little bit of entertainment, but still keeping it on brand and professional with what you're doing. Well, yeah. there are emerging TikTok stars. I, I shouldn't get political, but uh, Kellyanne Conway, the the White House counselor, daughter became a big TikTok star so much so that mom, that's really why mom and dad quit what they're doing. They're going to go back and kind of ramp her down because she's kind of having these raves and rants and meltdowns on TikTok and become a big star because of it. Yeah. Well, I bet that's entertaining. <laughs> it, it's very entertaining. I've seen some of the stuff she does, but I mean, she sit, comes out and wishes uh, uh, AOC would adopt her and all these other things. She does oh these goofy things here and her mother's working for the president. No, it's a very, <laughs> you know, for those that aren't in the know, but she's become a big star on TikTok and there are others like this just instantly coming up out of nowhere. Yeah. They're trying to shut down TikTok. In yes, the right. So Instagram, because they're on top of it, has something called Reels, R-E-E-L-S, which is very similar to TikTok, and it's within Instagram. So I would say be prepared for both, but it's the same type of concept. And why are they trying to shut it down? I'm lost. Is it just because it's a Chinese company and we don't like Chinese things? The president wants to shut it down. Um, I think because of a lot of... I, I really don't know. I don't. I don't know the background of it, but I know all the young people in my life are like, "Oh my gosh, TikTok is going to be shut down by yeah, this president." Right. So that's all. Or he's trying to get some American company to buy it. He was trying to get Microsoft to buy it or something because there was some fear of the, the the Chinese are influencing our kids or something. I don't know. I no idea. But Instagram <laughs> that, and they recently, I think a couple weeks ago, they came out with something called Reels. And so now I've been seeing that a lot. And if you are on Instagram in your business and you use these new releases quickly, they reward you. So you pop up quicker. Yeah. And I, I definitely think there's a business application, even for the most technical products, because what brought people to even work at that company or what brought people to work at the companies that buy technical products is passion. And there's entertainment yes. when you sort of bring that passion forward. I feel like, the, especially if it's on Instagram, which has sophisticated targeting, you could add personality to yeah. your brand. I worked at a startup company. We started off with like 10 employees. And something we did big to start with the social media was birthdays. They completely embarrassed you on your birthday, but it was fun. So we would record that and post that. So something that simple, it had nothing really to do with the brand, but... People that were wanting to work for us and came on later, like, oh my gosh, you guys do the birthdays, right? Like that was something that the wow, company was known for, like hats, and they would bring in clowns sometimes for adult birthdays. And 
you know, just just different ideas like that to show your company culture. Since we've already blown past the uh, the half hour here, let me then and we don't have another show immediately after this. So let me ask it. Can I take advantage of this moment to ask Are companies embracing? I'm talking about big companies embracing these new fun platforms, TikTok, Instagram Reels. Or, uh, or are they trying to, are they scared of it because it empowers the ordinary people to start doing goofy things and maybe that doesn't fit the corporate image. Maybe that hasn't been vetted and tested. Maybe we don't want our comp- employees out there doing goofy things for birthdays and stuff here because we just, we're not in control of it. Well, you have to, that's where you have to be in charge of who's in charge of your social media. And now I know when I first got out of undergrad, there weren't a lot of positions in marketing because of the recession. But now there are so many people hiring for social media coordinators, social media heads, social media. So you have to have those people in the place that you check the content. Because, yes, I have seen larger companies. Things have been released and people have even been fired. Yeah, that I heard the same thing. Unrelated right. because of social, their social media presence. So you do have to be careful. Previous larger companies I've worked for, you have to sign things off. We even had to sign waivers saying that we might be on social media via the company, specifically the one with the birthdays. But you just have to have someone in place to, to filter all that. Okay. So, Brittany, how can people who have more questions about this get in touch with you? Because this is your area of expertise, clearly, and your profession. So how can they get in touch with you? They can contact me at Info at BrittanyMatey.com. That's I-N-F-O at BrittanyMatey.com. Or now we're talking about social media. Just send me a DM at BrittanyMatey. Whatever the heck a DM is here. I got to go look that one up here. A direct (laughs) message. I think she means. How do we spell direct? How do we spell Brittany Matey? Because I would never figure it out. It is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-M-A-Y-T-I. And I'm the only Brittany Matey in the world. I'll bet. I'll bet. Yeah. Perfect handle, uh, perfect then, handle, hashtag, whatever here. You know, right? <laughs> I would say that we're the only Tenlo, but we're not. There's actually a DJ named Tenlo. Is there really? <laughs> See, wow. Okay. We, we are on Instagram. You can visit us at Tenlo.com. Uh, we have lots of other episodes from Leader Generation on Tenlo.com under podcast. Subscribe, reach out and suggest new topics, or feel free to shoot us questions. And we will answer them on our future episodes. Okay, that's it. We're going to wrap it up from there. And uh, if anybody wants to, how did they find out about your other thing you were talking about? I, I was intrigued at the commercial. This just will give you a little, another 30 seconds to do a quick commercial on this digital playbook. Yeah, the digital readiness playbook. So that is, you can go to talent.com, just go contact us and request a digital readiness session. Basically about 60 minutes, we help bring an external view to how you're building relationships, how you're approaching digital trade shows, and sort of the new things that have entered our marketing tool set since the beginning of the pandemic. And looking at what's great and what can we learn from this moment and what should be tested. And then we have some training and programs available to help you test new tactics to keep your leads up and kind of sell through this time. Well, if you keep getting guests like Brittany, I'm going to keep coming back and listening because you certainly, these are people on the cutting edge of what are very confusing, quickly being thrown at us, uh, opportunities to talk and communicate with customers. I don't think most of us know what to do with them or how to do with them. So we just avoid them or try and shut them down or hope they go away. I agree. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Paul.
you have it. Another example of why you need to tune in each and every week to this show right here on the Funnel Radio Network for at-work listeners like you. 